0: There are so many ways that one can go when when we look at the stories of the judges in uh, in the Bible Uh, they get a whole book uh, to themselves called appropriately judges and we think of judges as somebody who sits on a bench somewhere or sits at the bench somewhere or uh, making uh, judgments over folks. And certainly part of their job was that, but most of their job was to rise up into leadership for the people of Israel as they were coming to settle in the promised land. Uh, the truth about the judges, uh, the period of the judges was there was no fixed leader. There was no, one, uh, uh, no human leader to lead the folks. The only leader there was, was God. But when they needed like a military general type dude, or they needed, or dudette, uh, Deborah, Deborah was one of the judges. Uh, When they needed a leader to rise up and lead uh, the folks, uh, God would call someone up. Some of them were pretty good. Some of them were kind of infamous. Some of them were faithful. Some of them were not. It's kind of like all the rest of us. They played all the sides of the coin. If you want to think of a uh, of a judge that you might have heard about Samson Samson of the great strength uh, who fought off all of the enemies uh, almost single handedly with the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, So if you keep all of those things mentally in mind that's the kind of uh, strange and unusual group of people God called kind of kind of like us. Well. Today we're going to talk about one of the judges, perhaps considered to be, uh, I, I read all these uh, interesting articles about Gideon, uh, who, that's his name, Gideon, and he's remembered as the best judge. I don't know, best, worst, why do we have to always compare everything, but in any case, Gideon is from a very small tribe of folks, and he considers himself to be the least among them. And, of course, God calls him out to lead the people. And so uh, thinking about Gideon, uh, perhaps his most famous story, we're going to touch upon it, but then I really want to read to you some of the greater details. He's been called out, but he wants to be sure it's really God that's calling him. And so we're beginning right now in chapter 6 of the book of Judges with verse 36. Gideon said to God, Are you truly the one who is promising to save Israel through me? I will set this woolen fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece while the ground around it is dry, then I will understand that it is through me you will deliver Israel as promised. And that's what happened. When Gideon rose early the next morning and wrung out the fleece, he squeezed enough dew from it to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, "Uh, don't be angry with me. Allow me to do one more test with the fleece. This time, keep the fleece dry and cover the ground with dew. God did as Gideon had requested. This time only the fleece was dry and there was dew all around on the ground. Early the next morning, morning, Gideon and all of his troops camped at the spring of Herod. The Midianites encampment was north of them in the valley close, the Midianites are the enemies, by the way, that's the group that they're gonna have to fight because the Midians are coming towards Israel and they have to try to get rid of them. Uh, The Midianite encampment was north Of them in a valley close to the hill of Moreh. Adonai said to Gideon, "You have too many warriors for me to deliver Midian into your hands." He had about thirty-two thousand. The Israelites would be tempted to claim victory for themselves and presume that the triumph had been by their strength. Announce to all your troops that anyone who is anxious or too afraid to continue is to leave Mount Gilead immediately and go home. So of the 32,000, 22,000 of the troops left, leaving 10,000 who stayed behind. There are still too many, said Adonai to Gideon. Take them down to the water so that I can separate them there. I will tell you which to go with you and which are to stay. When Gideon brought the troops down to the water, Adonai instructed him, separate the ones who lap the water with their tongues from the ones who kneel down to drink. Three hundred soldiers lapped the water, bringing their hand to their mouth, and all the rest knelt to drink. Adonai said, with the three hundred who lapped their water, I will save you and put the Midianites into your hand. So Gideon dismissed the rest of the warriors of Israel and kept the 300, remember it started with 32,000, down to 300 warriors, who took the shofars, that's a cool-looking horn made from the, uh, it's a playable horn, also made from the uh, horn of a ram. Uh, they took the shofar And the provisions that the other soldiers had brought with them. The camp of the Midianites was below them in the valley. During the night, Adonai said to Gideon, Get up, go down to the valley to their camp, for I have delivered them into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, first go down with your attendant Purah and eavesdrop on them. And then you will have courage for the battle. It goes on from there. This is the reading this morning. Uh, Thanks be to God. So, we have a reluctant judge, that is to say, a reluctant leader of Israel, called by God to do this thing, and he doesn't feel like he's a leader. He doesn't feel like he's got what it takes. So, the first thing he does is something that I suspect most of us have done in our lives. We don't like to admit it to ourselves, but we've done it test God. We like to test God, God if you really love me, how about you light a candle in the guest bedroom, when I walk in it'll be on. Or, if you really love me, how about if you heal this person I know from whatever they got. Or, if somebody's on death's door, bring them back. Or, if I get this job, then I'll know you're God. Or, if I get fired, I'll know you're God because I hate this job but I'm too afraid to quit, so maybe if I get fired then I'll know you are God. We have all these tests that we keep saying sort of inside of ourselves. We don't like to admit it out loud, but if you have never tested God, you are maybe someone who should be preaching and not me. Because Lord knows in my life I've tested God. I tested God multiple times last year during Linda's 34 days in the hospital. I said, dude, how long have I been at this work for you? You've got to save my wife. You've got to get her to the other side. What kind of a God are you? So if you've never tested God, good for you. However, I know that as recently as then, probably as recently as this morning when I was praying, if you're really God, you'll give me a sermon by this morning at 11.15. <laughs> uh, <at 11:15. laughs> uh, we are always testing God. And Gideon, who was called out, didn't believe enough in himself. But he finally agrees, sure, I'll do this thing. And so he sends out word to all the tribes, send your best, you know, your best warriors. 32,000 show up. God says, if you win with 32,000, it's going to look like you're an amazing guy that it's all about your plan, not mine. It's all about you, not about me. So, how about if you let any of them that are afraid go home? Well, you wouldn't think (laughs) that two-thirds of the army would go home, but but that's pretty much what happens. Two-thirds, from 32,000 down to 10,000, all in one fell swoop. And they go back. Still too many. 10,000 is still too many. And so they go down and they do the water test. You know, and it's not waterboarding, it's water testing. And so some people apparently go down on all fours to drink the water from the river. And 300 of them, 9,700 of them, go down on their knees. 300 of them apparently scoop it with their hands and lap it out of their hands. And those 300 are the one God's going to use to throw the Midianites then to make it even more interesting, and we didn't read on to this part. I encourage you to read the you know, Judges. You can read the whole thing through. There are some characters, just be prepared. But uh, the Gideon story, it's really in 6, 7, and 8, those chapters in uh, the book of Judges. And if we read on, we would find out that in the end, the 300 that are left don't even fight. They don't even have to fight. They sneak down in the middle of the night in three groups of a hundred. They line up with, uh, in three different sections. They play their shofars out loud. They crash some uh, ceramic glasses they've got with them and they hold their torches. And it throws the Midianite camp into disarray and they run away. Some of them fight with each other, the Midianites with each other. And then they run away, and the Israelites win. And it was definitely not Gideon who did it. But without Gideon, they wouldn't have gotten this far. You see, there's this interesting dance we do in the spiritual life. Yes, God could probably do anything without us. But God chooses not to do anything without us. God involves us. And God wants us to be in there. But even our best laid plans, we'll do it, God. Of course we'll lead if there's 32,000 troops. Okay, well, yeah, okay, I can still lead if there's 10,000 troops. Ooh, I'm not so sure about the 300 troops. But even then, God makes a little way. Gideon goes down the hill. He overhears a conversation when he's spying out what's going on. As the Midianites say, one of the Midianites says, I had a dream last night, and this big loaf of bread rolled down the hill and squished us. And the other guy said, you know who that is? That's Gideon ben Joash. Gideon ben Joash, which just means Gideon, son of Joash. He is coming to drive us away. And so Gideon was like, well, if they already know I'm going to drive them away, sure, I can do it. How many times have you laid out your life and you say, if I have all of this stuff, if you just give me 32,000 troops, if you just give me a bigger salary, a better job title, a faster car, more family members, more peace in my life, a better retirement account, longer vacations, if you only give me those things, Sure, I can do whatever it takes. And then suddenly some portion of that just doesn't work out until finally all the things we thought we had to have to be God's people fall away. We have wonderful music at St. James, and we're going to have to figure out what the next step for us is as James and Megan move on, James, Megan, and Galen move on. to figure that out. But God is faithful. God has been faithful to us over and over again. If you need to hear some stories about the faithfulness of God, I look back on the 30 years I've served this congregation and having almost nothing to do with me except that I happen to be the pastor here. We have done things like sold a building, moved into temporary space with no building, bought this building renovated this building moved into this building James magically appeared in our lives someone who I'd befriended seven years before so there was no magic serendipity on God's part brought James into our lives and in the same way James and Megan have have discerned for themselves there's another path for them somewhere else and the God that has been trustworthy the 30 years I've been here will be trustworthy in leading us into the next place. Now, we may not have the 32,000 or the 10,000. Maybe we don't even have 300. But in the end, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about God. If we love God, if we serve God, If we work on God's behalf, trusting that whatever God has for us, it'll be all right. It may not be a sanctuary that seats 3,000 people and that's filled every Sunday six times with a total of 18,000. Yeah, I can do multiplication too. It may not be that. But if the God I know is trustworthy, and by the way, God is. God has shown me over and over and over again that each one of us is infinitely precious. Each one of us is unconditionally loved. Each one of us holds a spot that no one else can hold. Each one of us is called out to bear witness to the message in our own way to hold our own spot, to stand where God has given us to stand. And if God only needs 30 of us to do it, God will do it with 30. God can change the world. The world is changing around us all the time in ways that I don't always appreciate. I thought I had a longer transition with James, Megan, and Galen. And it looks like it might be a faster transition with James, Galen, and Megan. But God is God. God is God and God has shown over and over again the trustworthiness of God. We don't need to put down a fleece and ask God to get the fleece wet and everything else be dry and then put down another fleece and say uh, whichever one is the opposite of whatever I said first because I don't remember now. Um, We don't need to test God. God is trustworthy. Over and over again, God has proven trustworthy on our side. Can we love? Absolutely. But can we? Can we? If it's not the way we thought it would be, if it's not the cool music that James brings every Sunday, what are we going to do? We're going to do something else. Will God still be God? Yes. Will it be different? Yes. Do we like different? No. Be honest with each other. How often has a change in your life come along that you've just said, oh, yay! Thank goodness I lost that job, and i got to figure out something else. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for all along. Man, I'm really sad. I'm really glad that my girlfriend broke up with me after five years. I'm so excited about that. That was the best thing that could have happened to me. I don't know anybody who says that kind of stuff. Change is never what we hope for, but we need to learn to expect it. Gideon didn't want to be a leader. Then he was a leader of 32,000, then of 10,000, then of 300. And in the end, all God needed was willing people. Not numbers, willing people. Peoples whose heart can be transformed and changed by the power of God's presence in our lives. The Israelites had lost their way. They had forgotten. They needed to be reminded. They called out to God because the Midianites were coming and God helped them out. Not with 32,000 or 10,000, but with three hundred and without a single one of the 300 even having to fight. Just play horns. That'd be a cool way to win a war, I guess. Everyone, bring your trumpet, it's going to be over. That'd be nice, that'd be nice. So I guess the question I have for us, I picked the Gideon story a long time ago. I didn't know that, you know, there was all this paring back that was getting ready to happen in my life, in our life together. Uh, But it happens. Change happens. Do we trust God in the midst of it? As for me, I say yes. And I suspect the same is true for you. But you will have to decide that. Can we band together and follow the way God will lead us? Trusting that wherever it is, and no matter whether it's 32,000, 10,000, 300, 30, or three, that God will use us in the way God needs to. And that in the end, because there's probably not gonna be 32,000, 10,000, maybe not even 300, The glory will not be ours. It will be God's. That's what faith is about. Continuously giving ourselves over and trusting that God will use these hands. God will use these feet, this mouth, these ears, these eyes, even though they're starting to fail a little bit on me, these nose, these nostrils I guess, on this nose, God will use those, whatever way God needs to, to make a difference on the West End, and across the country for those on the stream. Wherever you are, whoever you are, you are infinitely precious, unconditionally loved, and called by God, to hold your station, your post, to use your gift because you are the miracle. And God works through us, all of us. Sit and look at your life this week. Was there a change that you didn't come through? Was there a challenge that you have not in some way risen to meet? that led you to the place where you are now. Can you trust that a God who brought you through those past occurrences can carry you into whatever the future holds? Can you trust? Ask yourself that question this week. What is God dreaming for us next? What does God see that we don't yet see because God has always been faithful. Linda is going to lead us in prayer.